everyone, and welcome back to Evensong, the podcast. I'm Jesse Strickland, and in this limited run podcast, we are looking at my 2021 album Evensong. We're analyzing it for its musical and liturgical and scriptural content. Uh, Just to remind everyone of the album itself, it is modeled after an Anglican Evensong service. And to remind everyone of the podcast format, each episode we'll be looking at how the song fits in an Evensong service, or maybe how a section of songs fits in an Evensong service. It'll have a historical explanation uh, for what text was used from a church father or a liturgical text that was used. It will look at biblical themes. We'll also be looking at the musical choices that I made for each song in terms of instrumentation, structure, lyrical choices that I made, whether that be a poeticizing of a text or making changes to liturgical text to make it fit better on the project. We'll also be looking at any personal challenges that I gave myself in writing the song, uh, as well as as any fun facts and, and trivia that I can come up with along the way. So last time we looked at the introit, which gave us a bit of an introduction to the album as a whole. And even though the introit was the opening track, Magnify Your Name, the song that we're going to be looking at today, was meant to serve as the overture proper of the album. If you're unfamiliar with how a classical overture works, it was typically before an opera or other stage production in the classical and romantic periods, and it served to introduce the audience to all of the different musical styles and themes of the upcoming opera. So in the same way, Magnify Your Name is meant to serve as the overture of the album, introducing the audience to all of the different musical genres and styles that are going to be on the next 16 tracks. Holy as you are 
the song itself is broken into four parts, basically, with largely different instrumentations within each part. So it starts off with an acoustic introduction with four acoustic guitars and two mandolins that are all playing very percussive rhythmic things. I wanted to start off this overture high in energy. The tempo is 180 beats per minute. So I wanted to come out of the gate with a lot of energy. And even though we have mostly percussion going on with the acoustic guitars, we do start to introduce a bit of the bluegrass folk elements within those first two verses. After the first chorus, we get our second section, which is led by rock band instrumentation. We have driving electric guitars and drums. But in the middle of the third verse, I've got an interjection, which I thought was pretty fun. It's a reversed acoustic guitar. So what I did is I took the sound clip of me playing an acoustic guitar and I literally reversed the sound wave. And that's what you hear in that interjection, which I thought was a pretty cool nod back to the first section. After the second chorus, we get the Gloria Patri, and we'll talk a lot in this episode about the Gloria Patri. But this section, section three, is led by folk and bluegrass instrumentation, but also it introduces some jazzier chords in the piano, and we also get the introduction of the orchestra. And all of these kind of blend together in what I think is a fantastic section. And then, of course, the section, the, the last section, section four, is the return in which we hear the chorus repeated and we have all of those elements are combined in some sort of way. And so you can kind of see how it serves as an overture. We have all of the different genres and styles that are, that are coming together here in this song as an introduction of what is going to be happening the rest of this album. The structure, for those of you who are interested, is my loose attempt at a modern Sonata Allegro form. For those of you who are unfamiliar, I don't really want to get into the music theory here, but it was a form that was very common in the classical period in the late 18th century, early 19th century. And this is a, a modern sort of spin on that. It's not an exact one-to-one, but that's sort of the homage that I was going for there. So now I want to look at uh, the lyrical choices that were made for, for Magnify Your Name. I originally wrote it in 2008. It had different verses at the time, but the first thing that I wrote was this acoustic guitar riff. it was meant to be a response to modern worship music that was coming out. I had noticed a trend that modern worship songs were getting slower uh, and more ambient, more atmospheric, and that trend has continued over the next decade. 
But at the time, I was starting to notice that trend that we were getting away from from rockier modern worship music and into slower, more atmospheric modern worship music. And so this was sort of a response to that and that like I just really kind of wanted to rock out. And so I I wrote Magnify Your Name in 2008, so it is, in fact, the oldest song on the album. But, like I said, it originally had different verses, and for reasons that we're about to talk about, I changed those verses when I realized that the song itself needed to be very Trinitarian in nature because of the centerpiece being the Gloria Patri, which brings us to how this song fits into an even song service. The Gloria Patri is a traditional liturgical text, also known as the Lesser Doxology. Uh, The text is, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And so you can see, it is uh, a doxology to all three members of the Trinity, and therefore, I want to change the verses to be Trinitarian in nature. But as it fits into an evensong service, this is traditionally part of the introit. And that's not to be confused with the track that I called the introit on the album, but as a section of the evensong service. So like we talked about last week, the introit is Latin for entrance. And so this is when the priest and the choir are processing in. And as a part of that entrance, the Gloria Patri is traditionally sung at the end of the entrance, as at the end of the introit. But you'll notice that I called it the lesser doxology, so what, therefore, is the greater doxology, and that would be the Gloria in excelsis, which is the second movement of the Mass. And in fact, it is considerably longer. So this is known as the lesser doxology. And to define the word doxology, doxology just means a hymn of praise. That, of course, is is any hymn of praise and not to be confused with strictly uh, what is known in Protestant life as uh, Old 100th, or Old 100th, I suppose it is. The praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below, praise him above ye heavenly host, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That is commonly known in Protestant life as the doxology, but any hymn of praise is a doxology. Paul ends a lot of his theological statements, uh, for example, the end of Romans 11, Paul ends that really long theological argument that he's been making the entire book of Romans with a doxology. His theological statement has let him break into song and praise to God. And so a doxology is just a hymn of praise. And this, the Gloria Patri, is known as the lesser doxology within church tradition. So if you've paid close attention to the album, you'll notice that it kind of shows up everywhere. And there's a good historical reason for this. It was used historically at the end of a number of hymns, not just a standalone song. It was tagged on to the end of other psalms and anthems and hymns that were sung uh, within church services. Like I said, Paul ends a number of his theological statements with doxologies. And so in the same way, the church 
would sing a psalm, and then they would end it with the Gloria Patri. Most commonly in the Evensong service, it is associated with the Magnificat and the Nuc Dimittis, which are also on the album a little bit later. So I wanted to do a little bit of looking into how I used it on other songs on the album right here. It seems like this is as good a time as any to do that. There is no liturgical or compositional rule or even guideline that you use the same exact Gloria Patri in every iteration. But if you're looking to create cohesion in a work, specifically this album, then using the same Gloria Patri uh, can really help glue everything together. That being said, I wanted to say something different musically in every iteration of the Gloria Patri based on where we were in the narrative. And so you hear this sort of jubilant version of the Gloria Patri in Magnify Your Name. Later on, we have the Magnificat, which is jubilant in a way because Mary has just been told that she is going to to have Christ, but it is in another sense awe-filled and reverent, and so I went with more of that approach for the Magnificat's Gloria Patri. Traditionally, like I said, the Nuc Dimittis would also have a Gloria Patri at the end of it, but I will play the end of the Nuc Dimittis on the album right into Be Still and let you hear that I really felt like that pause at the end of the Nuc Dimittis went really well, carried the momentum into Be Still better than including an iteration of the Gloria Patri. Still, though the waters rise and mountains tremble. And then we hear it in the end of Rescue Me, which is from Psalm 70, which itself requires a lot of liturgical explanation. And we'll get to that when we talk about the Psalms, the episode where we look at the two Psalms that are on the album, Psalm 70 and Psalm 46. But at the end of that particular song, the, the Gloria Patri is stripped down. It's very acoustic. It's very, very soft and low in dynamics because we are coming off of all of this energy of pleading with God to rescue us. And then we've had a moment of, of worship in our despair. And once everything has been stripped away, there is left the Gloria Patri. And so in Psalm 70, it's it's a much different approach to the to the Gloria Patri than it has been 
in Magnify Your Name or the Magnificat. Finally, we see it in the benediction, which is the last track on the album. The benediction was meant to serve as the organ voluntary, and I'll explain that later, but an instrumental track that's kind of a reverse overture. And so it recaps all of the themes that we've heard on the album. But rather than doing that musically through the use of different instruments, it mostly just develops the two main themes from the album, which is the prophet's call from the introit and the Gloria Patri. These are the two themes that that permeate the entire album from start to finish. And so it seemed fitting to give them a, a full orchestration as the instrumental closer. In all, we hear the Gloria Patri four times during the album. Each of them are different musical iterations based on where we are in the narrative. So let's move on now to the biblical themes that are used and the scripture that I used. I counted out 16 scriptural references in just Magnify Your Name. Writing the verses was a little bit difficult for me because I wanted to very specifically talk about the job description, quote unquote, of each member of the Trinity. And so I used scripture to define those roles. And so each line of each verse is a scripture reference. It has, however, been crafted into poetic form. So, for example, the second line of the first verse, which is to God the Father, says, To your glory none compares. And that is taken directly from Psalm, ver, uh, Psalm 40, verse 5, 
which says, You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more that can be told. And then uh, the last line of that verse is far too great to comprehend. And that comes from Isaiah 40, verse 28, which says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And so you can see how I took that verse and crafted it into far too great to comprehend. In all, there are 16 scripture references in Magnify Your Name and then the one liturgical text being the Gloria Patri. All of these are in the lyrics booklet for the album, which is available if you were to download it through Bandcamp. So this album is available on Spotify and Apple Music, but also available on Bandcamp. And if you download it through Bandcamp, you can get the PDF of the of the lyrics, which includes footnotes with the scripture references. In total, there are 73 scripture references. I referenced 27 books total. 15 of them were referenced more than once. I hit half of the prophets, 8 out of 16. And all of the books that I referenced are available in that lyrics booklet. So if you would like that, go over to Bandcamp and get the album and get this lyrics booklet with it for free. In terms of personal challenges that I gave myself for this song is actually a personal challenge that I I issued to myself for the entire album, which I did not complete. I made a goal of changing the key and the meter in every single song. And in terms of changing the key, I said that I couldn't use phrase modulation because I find that to be pretty lazy unless you have a really good justifiable reason to do it. Phrase modulation, for those of you who do not music theory, is when you start a new phrase of music in a completely different key than the one you ended the last phrase in. So that would be me ending a chorus in G major and then repeating the chorus in A major without any sort of connective musical material. And that would be a phrase modulation because it happens between two phrases. So I said I didn't want to use those. There's a lot of other different ways that we can change keys in music. And so I said I could only use those other types of modulations. In this particular song, you can hear the key change. I think the key change back to B flat major is really, really cool. So the first part of the Gloria Patri is in G major. That's the the piano part, and then there's the mandolin solo, and there's the modulation during that. And I used a couple of common chords and some chord progression tropes, we'll we'll say, to to get us back to B flat major. And so for those of you who do speak music theory, I'll speak to you for a second and say that the chord progression there in G major, it goes uh, flat six, flat seven, which is, what is that, E flat, F, and then, of course, E flat, F is four and five in the key of B flat. And so I sort of trick the ear into thinking that I'm just doing a flat six, flat seven, one cadence in the key of G, but in fact, I'm doing a four, five, one cadence in the key of B flat major. And so I thought that was pretty nifty, and I think it's pretty smooth. Here, I'll, I'll go ahead and play that key change now. Mm-hmm. 
as I said, I didn't actually complete this challenge because as you'll notice, there is no meter change in this song. And in a number of songs, I only change keys and in other songs, I only change meters. Technically, there is actually a meter change in this song. At the Gloria Patri, we go from 4-4 into 2-2, but that's not really a, a meter change. That's just, yeah, that's just, it's, it's the same thing. One other song that I do want to cover in this episode that doesn't really fit in any other episode is Unchanging One, which is track five on the album, I believe. Yeah, track five. Saturates the earth. How my bless are your deeds. 
it was written as a companion piece to Magnify Your Name. And so how does it fit into an Evensong service? If we're being completely honest, it, it doesn't fit into the structure at all. I could probably try to justify it, but what really happened is that it, it was written to go along with Magnify Your Name. And then you may be asking the question, so why doesn't it follow Magnify Your Name on the album? And that's because after I had recorded everything and was listening to the flow of the whole thing, it it was too slow. So we have the really fast, energetic magnifier name, and it wasn't enough of a change of pace that it feels completely separate, but it was definitely too slow coming after magnifier name that it really kills the momentum that was built up. So I just about cut it from the project. However, I did... I did some more moving around, and I found that it fit well after Overwhelming Grace. So thematically, it fits with Magnify Your Name because we're still talking about the greatness of God. And so it was written conceptually to go on another project along with Magnify Your Name. That project, maybe if you follow enough sketchbooks around, that may have been the project that eventually became Evensong, but... It's, it's so far removed and so unrelated that I can't really call them the same project. So it was written for another project. It was supposed to go with Magnify Your Name on that project. Uh, and so that's how it, it ended up being recorded here. And to be perfectly honest, it doesn't fit in an Evensong service other than it's talking about the greatness of God, which does go along with the Magnify Your Name thematically. And because it goes with Magnify Your Name thematically, it includes quite a number of scripture references for no more lyrics than it has. It has, I think it has eight, if I counted correctly. The instrumentation kind of continues on that acoustic side of modern worship, which it's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, instrumentally, I don't think there's anything out of the ordinary that happens in terms of instrumentation, as well as the structure, which is a pretty straightforward ABA form, ternary form. But this song does include my favorite key change on the album. lyrical choices, the uh, the fun fact about this song is that it was originally just the chorus for a long time. I wrote this song shortly after Magnify Your Name, so probably 2009-2010, somewhere in there, and it just sat as the chorus for a very long time, and so that was what I had meant to do because it was meant to be this interstitial sort of track that just connected Magnify Your Name with what happened after that. But then once it became this song that was part of this project, I, like I said, I, I thought about scrapping it. And then right towards the end of the project, I wrote the bridge and I needed a spot to, to put this extra, like just couplet that I came up with, with the Amen refrain from Apostles Creed. I wanted the Apostles Creed to show up earlier in the album, but in a minor key. And so I wrote the lyrics that go in the bridge of this song, and I gave it that minor amen refrain. So that when it shows back up in the Apostles' Creed, 
it's more jubilant, more triumphant. The Apostles' Creed is the last high point on the album. It's it's all downhill energy-wise from there. And so that's why that Amen refrain in the Apostles' Creed is such a big deal. And so I wanted it to be introduced in another way earlier on the album. So let's listen to those back-to-back. First will be from uh, Unchanging One and then from Apostles' Creed. So that is Magnify Your Name and Unchanging One, which officially closes out the introit, the entrance part section of this album. Next time we'll be looking at The Lessons, which is a formal section of the Evensong service. It includes the first and second reading, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, and then the two canticles, which is the Magnificat and the Nuke Dimittis. So hope you have enjoyed uh, this episode of the Evensong podcast. If you haven't heard the album yet, which I imagine that if you've listened to me ramble about the analytics of this album, you probably have. But if you haven't heard it, go check it out on Spotify and definitely let me know what you think. I'll see you next time.